Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Welcome to episode number 164 of the podcast with Ben Angel, and he's talking about today, Are You Unstoppable? And this is from his brand new novel. Now, this is Ben's third book out. He's got online courses. He's presented all over the world. He is a serious, serious superstar. And what I love about today's story is how open, raw, and honest Ben is with his story about, you know, really hitting depression, being quite down in March of 2017. And the steps that he has put into place, and that's what this new book is. His book, Are You Unstoppable?, is a 90-day step-by-step guide that Ben himself put himself through. He is so vulnerable, put himself out there, and he is now living the best life possible. He's got rid of depression. He's moved on from that, and he's in a really good headspace. And now he's actually helping hundreds of thousands of people around the world. So it is really interesting. We talk a lot about gut health, um, exercise, so many other different things that um, this will be able to relate to a lot of different people. So guys, sit back. Episode number 164 with Ben Angel. everyone welcome back to the podcast this is episode number 164 with ben angel how are you buddy i'm doing great how are you yeah really good mate now for my listeners because uh they've probably seen a little bit on online of everything you're doing because you are everywhere at the moment your face is popping up (laughs) everywhere but um before you were doing all this great work in america and everything you grew up in australia what was your upbringing like mate yeah, I grew up on a cattle and cropping farm in country South Australia, so about an hour and a half out of Adelaide. Cool. And very wholesome upbringing. I mean, we were the kind of family that, that we, we in fact, went through a drought for, I believe, over seven years. And I know a lot of Australians are struggling with that right now. And I remember as a young kid just seeing my dad and my mum, how creative and resourceful they resourceful they were when we were going through that and having to fix our own farm machinery, troubleshoot the problems, and it was one of the best upbringings I could ever ask for. Yeah, and, and like you just said, there's such a problem with the drought at the moment and everything like that. Did I know we're going to talk yeah. about your story and everything, but um, in farmers, and I probably wasn't going to go down this angle then, but um, farmers <laughs> and so forth, there's a lot of depression just because, you know, you're so re- reliant on Mother Nature or the land. Did, did your parents ever or people around you um, in other cattle farms go through any of these sort of mental health issues? Yeah, um, we actually sold our farm oh, probably over seven years ago now. So my brother actually bought another property uh, in country near South Wales. And I know they're struggling with the drought at the moment, along with a lot of other farmers in that regional area. But I, my mum has been telling me about certain suicides that have been occurring because they can't see a way out for what they're struggling with. And Obviously, it's it's a huge psychological trauma to have the thing that you've been focused on for most of your life. I mean, most of these farmers, they grew up on the farm. That's where they live. That's everything they do. So to think about alternatives in terms of potentially having to sell or get a job, it's it's outside of their wheelhouse. And they certainly need the support if, God forbid, they do have to go down that route, the mental support to help make that transition. And I'm not sure what's really happening 
in Australia at the moment. I know that a lot of people are struggling, but the mental health support there needs to be for farmers, but in a very specific way. Yeah, and, and so true because um, I just know a lot of farmers and things I know that that's been their whole life. They've built this farm up and um, to walk away from it, particularly if there's been like, um, in your brother's case, generations of generations of people on that farm, it can be quite tough. But getting back to your yeah. story, mate, and um, obviously, um, you know, I'm a huge believer in storytelling, the power. I'd love to hear um, you talk about, you know, in March 2017, um, it was a pretty sort of dark sort of day for you. But do you want to talk about um, how you sort of got to be in this state um, of, of really sort of deep depression? Yeah, sure. So what had actually happened is for, you know, most of my adult life, I've been speaking 40 to 60 events per year on stage and doing a lot of online marketing courses as well. But then I decided to take a three-month um, break and travel around the US and Canada. And it was when I actually got back to Australia that all of a sudden I was struck with severe fatigue, depression, anxiety. And for the first time in my, in my life, I felt scared to be speaking in public in front of an audience because wow. my brain wasn't working. I couldn't remember what I was saying. And I do remember the last presentation I did. I just had this intense anxiety, which I'd never had before. And the strange thing is, like I, I've been interviewed by doctors and psychologists on their own podcasts, and they always ask me the question. They're like, okay, well, what were you eating? What were you doing? And the truth of the matter is I was doing CrossFit six days a week. If anyone's done that, you yeah. know how intense that That's is. full noise. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was eating a meal plan designed by a nutritionist. So I was only having one cheat meal per week. I was doing uh, daily visualizations. I was doing everything that a person believes that they should be doing when they're in that state to try and resolve the matter, um, including trialing different supplements to see what would help. I'd gone to, I think it was, it was over six different doctors and all of my test results always came back normal. And in that state, the first thing that you start to think is, okay, what's wrong with me? And then that starts to go down this negative spiral. And I did have a couple of um, interactions with doctors that I wouldn't say were the most pleasant, more patronizing than anything. That's not to say every doctor's like that. But I did have one doctor say, you know, most people never work out why they've got fatigue. It's something that you might have to live with. And I, that was when I was at my worst. After seeing all of these professionals and going, you know, what hope have I got in getting better if the <laughs> professionals can't work out what the problem is? And that's when, in my darkest days, I thought, all right, yeah, I'm a creative, I'm resourceful, I grew up on a cattle farm, I know I can fix this. If something's wrong, you step up and fix it. And I tried within the first two weeks of experiencing symptoms to try everything that I could. So I was very proactive, but a couple of years went on. And uh, that was when I was actually producing weekly videos for Entrepreneur Magazine, which I've now been doing for almost six years. And I thought, if I'm ever going to fix this, I have to reorientate everything I do around solving this health puzzle. So I pitched to Entrepreneur Magazine here in the US, who are my publisher for the book. I said, look, I've got this crazy idea for this book where I'll go on this 90-day mission to biohack my way back to health. I'll interview people like Dave Asprey, neuroscientists, take lab tests, do supplements, try wearable technology to help alleviate stress. 
I said, but I don't know what the end chapter is going to be because I don't know if I'm going to get a result. <laughs> well, and, and they, to my surprise, they jumped at it. They absolutely jumped at it, and they put a lot of faith and trust in me, which was just beyond words. And through that journey, first of all, it wasn't, you know, there was, I think, over four to five months' worth of research that went into the 90-day framework that I was going to be applying and I was still struggling during that time. So I was having to have two to three naps per day. And I was only really cognitively functioning to my best ability um, for three to four hours first thing in the morning. Then most afternoons were a write-off. So I had to restructure my entire business, which thankfully is online, um, around my, my rhythms, my ups and downs, and do what I could in that time. And... It's really important for people to understand everyone responds differently when they're depressed. Um, and like I said earlier, I had a very strong upbringing on the farm where if there's a problem, you go out and fix it. So yes, I was proactively trying to fix it, but that didn't mean that I wasn't continuing to struggle on a daily basis. Yeah, that's, and that's crazy. So just a couple of things I want to unpack from that. Did, do you think when, obviously doing 40 to 60 events a year, and I do quite similar amounts, and um, I know when I go on holidays, I normally get sick. I haven't I haven't got the severe depression, but do you think it, your no. body just finally sort of shut down on you because, you know, you'd been just living on adrenaline, go, go, go for so long that when you finally allowed your body to stop and um, relax, that it, it just didn't know what to do? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, if you're always go, 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 you're going to have a constant spike in cortisol. Yep. So when you when you go on holidays, that cortisol may drop significantly. So when you get back, you're going to have another sudden boost, which is going to disrupt the immune system full stop. The second thing, and it was a question that I asked of a gut microbiome expert, I said, look, my symptoms flared up after spending three months traveling. Is there something regarding the gut microbiome that I could have been introduced to different bacteria? My gut microbiome may have shifted significantly in one direction, not a positive one, that could have been impacting my mental health. And he said, yes, absolutely. Because when we travel around the world, when you come to the US, first of all, the food here isn't that great in terms of <laughs> quality. And that, that's, that, that's not to bag America, but no, I, I agree. I'm sure you've been to the US. <laughs> compare it to Australia or Canada. I mean, Canada and New Zealand and Australia have the most amazing food, but the produce here isn't always as fresh as what it could be. And second of all, you've got produce coming in from different countries into the US. So you are going to be exposed to different bacteria that if you've lived in Australia your entire life that you wouldn't typically come across. And that can seriously disrupt the gut microbiome, which we all know is now connected to the gut-brain connection. And uh, I did actually take a gut health test, and it sounds super sexy, but you send off a <laughs> tiny, tiny fecal sample to a company here in the US called Thrive. And what they'll do is you actually, if I believe it takes about five weeks for it to go through the labs, but it'll give you a breakdown of all of the different gut bacteria. And it'll also indicate, okay, you're too low on this gut bacteria. Here are some suggestions of different types of foods that you can eat. Or they, you can actually get, I believe it's one of four or five different probiotics that are personalized, more personalized to your gut health. 
And one thing I came across is I was very, very low in a bacteria called bacteroids. Now, there was a study that came out after the book was released, which showed that those there was they seemed to have found some kind of connection between low bacteroids and depression. Mm. So, so that's one of this. That's with this journey, it was very much going down a rabbit hole and it kept on changing because you discover one little thing and then it takes you down another completely different path altogether. Yeah, so you, you didn't even think that, uh, you know, you had an issue there because like you just said before, you were crossfitting six days a week, you had a perfect nutrition plan, um, you were eating fantastic, but it didn't really matter because your gut health, is that sort of where I was going from? It, your gut health wasn't right, which was sort of affecting your mental health and, and causing you to feel the way you did? Yeah, and the other factor was, um, is which is something that's not really discussed a lot when it comes to mental health, is food sensitivity. Because when I started doing this plan by the nutritionist, um, they introduced coconut oil into my diet. And it took me over two years through a food sensitivity blood test to actually work out I am highly sensitive to coconut, which I never thought in a million years. So I removed coconut from my diet for an entire month. I started feeling great. And then when we traveled to Canada to interview the biohacker Dave Asprey, uh, we were in Vancouver and I had a Thai curry not thinking about the coconut milk in it. And for three days straight away I was hit with depression. I actually felt angry and just severe fatigue. It hit me like a ton of bricks. And that's where a lot of people need to be really careful. It, on the surface it looks like you're doing everything right. But if your gut microbiome biome is out, it means that you're not necessarily absorbing the nutrients from your food effectively. And second of all, if you are having food that you're sensitive to that you may not even know about could be affecting your mental health. And there's this incredible story, I encourage people to check it out, but it's by a woman named Ruth Wallen. Now, she was institutionalized for 40 years, bipolar, OCD, anxiety, severe depression, the whole lot. And uh, thankfully, a doctor came along and realized that she was highly allergic to caffeine. And the caffeine was mimicking all of these other symptoms. So it didn't matter really what medication she took because the root cause was never removed. The medication would only do so much. And that's where we need to go down a few layers and start to pull this puzzle to pieces and then start to rebuild from there because sometimes it could be as simple as a food sensitivity that's upsetting your stomach. It's upsetting everything in your body and that that's due to potentially causing inflammation within your body and brain and inflammation is also linked to depression mm. Ben, that that's so interesting because i know a lot of people when you talk about obviously feeling down or things like you know people think practice gratitude or kindness or just move your body or or things like that but like you just said with that story about ruth and yourself that it didn't really matter if you were doing all these things because you already were but food is medicine isn't it and if you're putting that one wrong thing in it it's going to misalign everything and, and is that sort of what you found is that how um at the start of that 90 days once you you know change that and got the coconut out of your diet did things start turning around well, the first 30 days, I felt like giving up. I got worse before I got better mm. because I was still trying to pull all of those little pieces apart. But I think the biggest realization out of doing that was that 
you know, when we look at peak performers, we always look at their psychology, but we never look at the underlying biochemistry that supports that peak performing psychology. And the best way to explain it is to people is it's two sides of the same coin. So one side is biochemistry, the other is psychology. They're inextricably linked, you can't separate them. If you try to shave off one half, one side of the coin, there's still gonna be two, side, two sides regardless. And where we've seen, especially the shift in the self-help movement over the past 20 years, and I've been a big part of that, is that we've spent so much time focusing on psychology, but if someone is experiencing brain fog, fatigue, or depression, then their brain isn't in the optimal state for them to process that psychological work. It's treating the symptom and not the underlying cause. Now, if it's a psychological trauma, then yes, they should be focused on the psychological work, but also on the biochemistry side of things because that's gonna increase cortisol levels, it's going to throw hormones out of whack, it could disrupt your sleep. So we're really encouraging people to focus on two sides of the coin at the same time. And I had a message from someone just the other day. They're, they're working through my course and my book at the moment. And they've spent over $25,000 going to different doctors in the past few years trying to work out why they're depressed. Wow. And in the past two weeks, they've finally turned a corner because they got to the root cause instead of trying to treat the symptoms and not the cause itself and we've we've had some insane stories one of the most heartwarming ones was of a dad who two young daughters who's been suicidal on and off for the past seven years well he finally worked out why which is just incredible it just yeah so that's uh mate that that deep down ben when you think about that is that is so gratifying that, uh, you know, you're, you're having such a big impact with your course. And I, I know we're talking about yeah. this and, and I want to talk about your book as well. But in your course, what what do you find is getting the best results? Is it is it because you're using, like you said, both sides of the coin um, and it's really allowing people to think a bit deeper about uh, the individual issues that they're, they're facing at the moment? Yeah, we get people to focus on the course is really an extension of the book in terms of practical downloadable worksheets each week, but we get them to look at everything. So we also get them to do a timeline of events. So if someone has become depressed or anxious or whatever their symptoms are, we get them to write a timeline down to go, okay, where were you living at that point in time of your life? Had you actually had a course of antibiotics at that stage? Because antibiotics take a scorched earth approach to our gut microbiome and will wipe out good and bad, mm. which can actually cause an overgrowth of bad bacteria. So we get them to do this specific timeline so they can track back. And a lot of people, when they do that timeline, they go, oh, okay, I did have a course of antibiotics. And we found that in a lot of cases. But second of all, especially nutritional deficiencies, we do encourage people if they are really struggling to go to a functional doctor who will spend a lot more time with you than a GP, but do a full blood panel done to see if there are any nutritional deficiencies because a vitamin D or a vitamin magnesium deficiency can mimic psychological disorders. And this is where I'm really pushing back against the self-help industry. And this was one of those paradigm shifts for me personally as well, is that 
If our symptoms are severe, we get medicated. If the symptoms are mild, we get told it's all in our head, despite it being the exact same cause. So we have a self-help industry that's misdiagnosing excuses and procrastination as purely a poor attitude. Someone's not being grateful. But the challenge with that is if their brain doesn't have the energy to process that work, that's only going to help give them a quick boost of motivation for you know potentially an afternoon or a day or a week before they return back to their biochemical set point. So the biochemical set point is that point where your body is either geared towards depression, anxiety and fatigue right now or it's geared towards energy and cognitive function that allows you to do all of that other work. Yeah, so it's really sort of like applying a Band-Aid, isn't it? That'll It'll fix the issue for maybe one or two days, but then it'll just resort back to, like you just said, how your body's functioned at the time. Yeah, and the other challenge is sometimes it's not a, not a psychological issue. Yeah. what we That could, in fact, be the symptom. And there was one story I write about in the book, which my a good friend of mine is a clinical social worker, and she was working with a patient for five years. So they were doing these sessions every single week, but the, this particular patient kept on having suicidal thoughts on and off. And thankfully, when we're actually researching the book, this patient had gone out and done a vitamin D test. Well, the result came back that she had minute traces of vitamin D in her system, which is connected to fatigue and depression. Once she started supplementing with that, her symptoms, her psychological symptoms started to alleviate within a couple of weeks. She quit her her job, started a brand new career. She reconnected with family and friends she hadn't seen for in years. And that's not to say everyone's vitamin D deficient, although a large percentage of the population is. But, you know, my friend was struggling with this particular patient because it was focused on the symptoms and not the underlying cause. So now she's implemented in her own practice that she makes sure that everyone goes out and gets a blood panel done to make sure that that's ruled out because that might be the first starting point. Yeah. And then, and I suppose once you know that, then it, particularly like in her case, she's so passionate about it because that was the underlying factor that was really sort of causing her to have all these problems, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's been incredible because we now have doctors, psychologists, uh, cognitive behavioral therapists, nutritionists actually giving the book to their patients, which is just, it's been overwhelming. But we did go through, I really put my feet to the fire. We I interviewed neuroscientists, doctors, biohackers, looked at over 200 academic studies, We had three different editors on the book. One was a scientific editor, one was a medical editor, and the third was a fact checker. (laughs) Wow. And then then we actually sent the draft of the book to doctors, psychologists, clinical social workers, nutritionists to get their view on it. So the book went through a myriad of different processes. I've never done a project in this in my life. It was pretty insane. But... We wanted to make sure we got it right because it is such a sensitive topic. But we also want to make sure, you know, people are working with the right individuals and they're asking the right questions of the right people. 
Yeah, that, and I, I completely understand that. So when you look back at and and I just remember, like, I've just made a note of this, but you were extremely vulnerable when you went to your publisher with the idea of, you know, your, your 90-day to biohack your mind and body through success. Like, this book, this, I know it's your third one, Ben, but that was, you put yourself right out there because you were laying down all your cards, mate. Yeah, I, at the time, I was desperate. And I, I was interviewed by one of the editors at Entrepreneur Magazine New York the same day the book came out. And I actually got pretty emotional because I, I said to him, in all honesty, this book saved my life. I uh, wasn't getting any answers from doctors. So I did have to go on an extremely hard journey of my own to get the answers. And I didn't know where it was going to take me. My publisher didn't know where it was going to take me. We had this overall concept of who I wanted to interview for the project, but you, you just don't know what answers you're going to get. Yeah, that's so true. So when you when that book come out, and, and do you, is this probably one of the most proud uh, moments or resources you've created? And, and second part of that question, do you celebrate wins or um, did you allow yourself to, you know, sit back, reflect and go, geez, I've actually done this. I've done a, such a good job. I've turned my life around. And um, were, you, were you really proud of yourself? Well, I think the day the book came out, and I think it's with most authors, you're scared shitless. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know. Like, I felt good about it because of everything that we'd gone through, but you never know how people are going to respond. And, you know, you're never going to get 100% of <laughs> positive reviews. That's just the reality of it. But we're kind of tracking at 4.6 stars on Amazon and Audible, which is pretty huge overall. But... We did, I think, Christmas time, it really blew up, and that was probably quite overwhelming. I don't think, I haven't actually had a break <laughs> this year <laughs> because of how fast it's been going, but we are going on a holiday, thankfully, to the Bahamas in Ooh, December. Nice. So I'm hoping to take some time off, and I'll probably reflect on it there before it gets crazy again for the new year. Yeah, I, I think that's really important as well for people listening that um, when, when things are good, you've got to keep writing it out and so forth like that. But you also do need to take time for yourself, Ben, don't you? And like you just said, you're going to the Bahamas yeah. and, and that is a time to sit back and reflect and be proud of, you know, not only what you've created, but the sort of impact you're having on people's lives, like you just mentioned before. Yeah, and I think for this, because we get quite a lot of emotional testimonials and reviews from people I also have to be very careful I think how much I look at it in some respect because it can get quite overwhelming um, that type of impact because it's a very different area to where I've worked in the past so I think there's there's a very a very much a little bit of a balance that has to go on psychologically to make sure that my team and myself, we're psychologically strong when we get some individuals who are really struggling because we have had to put in welfare calls to to actually call up the police and actually get the police to check on certain individuals based on concerning messages we've received online. Yeah. And that that's quite a hard thing to do because you don't know how that's going to go but at the end of the day if you're concerned about someone you really need to take that step um so we we have put certain things in place to make sure that if we're really concerned about someone we do have processes to go all right here's what we do there's no hesitation involved whatsoever 
Yeah, I, I think that's really important that um, sometimes you do need to get uh, services involved because at the end of the day, people are a, a danger to themselves. But also, like you just yeah. said, sometimes that's really hard for you too as well, Ben, not, not to take that emotional baggage on board yourself and um, think that I can't fix this or it's my fault or things like that. So how do you and your team, because I know particularly there's a lot of probably coaches, teachers and parents listening along to this podcast that, you know, do deal with situations like this and how do you sort of switch off so you don't uh, sort of take that on as, as your issue or that you don't uh, foster that because at the end of the day, you can't fix everything. No, it's, I don't know. I don't know that you can ever be perfect at it. And I have a lot of admiration for those in the mental health care arena because it is hard not to take on some of those issues yourself and that responsibility. Um, and also, I think I'm in my second year of not having any depressive episodes. My energy is great. I'm functioning how I should. So, yeah, I can. I think my challenge is I've always been an empath. So I always can put myself in that other individual's shoes. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not. So it's really a balancing act. I do daily visualizations as well. Um, if I have had a tough day, I do daily visualization practices that also combine NLP so I can disassociate myself from that to make sure that we're also being objective about the situation to ensure that that person is going to get the right care. Yeah, I think that's really important that everybody, you know, you need to find out routines or habits that work well for you. And obviously that visualization is really helping you, Ben, because you are, the more people you reach and impact, you're going to have issues like this. And I know so many other people listening that, um, that these are just things that are going to continue to happen. So if you can't, you know, look after yourself and find that sort of Zen-like place that really helps you get through everything, I think that's really important. Now, Ben, I'm going to have links on the show notes for your brand new book, online course and everything like that. But I also like to finish off my interviews, Ben, with a couple of questions. So first one here, mate, if you could look back to 18-year-old Ben um, and from everything you've done now, from obviously helping, you know, I think it's 300,000 people around the world, all the speaking engagements, your three books, your online courses, everything you've done, um, if you could give your 18-year-old self one little bit of advice, what would that be? Uh, go easy on yourself. <laughs> I think, like I, I've always had really high expectations. So every now and then I just go, my life's very different now in terms of now that we're providing online courses, I can take some extra time off to myself if I need it, if I am feeling a little bit tired for whatever reason. But I think it's really trusting the process, which I've lived my life by, which is just trusting things they're going to unfold how they're going to unfold and you, you can respond to them in a positive or a negative manner and also just ensuring that you are looking at the psychology and the biochemistry and we can't have the level of psychological output that we're having day in and day out without paying a biological price and it's getting those two factors in balance that I think that's really something for people to live by. Mm, uh, that's great advice, mate. I really like that. And finally, Ben, uh, legacy. When it's all said and done, mate, I know uh, you're just ramping it up. After this holiday to the Bahamas, you're going to continue to dominate and take over the world. But what legacy do you want to be remembered for? And what, what do you want to leave on the planet when, when your time's done? Uh, I think the legacy that I want to leave is really a paradigm shift in this area for people to make the connection between 
the psychology and the biochemistry and to understand you just can't focus on one or the other. It has to be a balanced approach, but also make that direct link between the mental health side of things to what's actually physically going on in our body and introducing people to new technology or lab tests and the science and also raising up a lot of the doctors and the scientists that I've been interviewing. We have one doctor I'll be interviewing, sorry, a biochemist that I'll be interviewing in the new year as well as another doctor who are doing a lot of research around EMF as well as depression. And I think it's really my mission to highlight these studies that get sent my way from people that may not get them into the media in general to bring light to them. And that's something that I absolutely love to continue to do. I love that, mate. So using your platform that you have now to, you know, not only help get research out there, but help individuals that maybe, you know, not be able to find that answer. Because when it does come to a lot of this stuff that there isn't a a one size fits all shoe or one, you know, that everybody's different. Our bodies are unique. um, And I really like that. So, um, I'll have links on the show note, Ben, for everything that was spoken about, your course, your books, everything like that. Um, just your last question, AFL, mate, are you, uh, are you a Crow supporter? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually don't follow any sport oh, at all. Ben, a, a South Australian, what's going on there, mate? I know, I'm disappointing everyone right now. <laughs> I don't know. I I was that geeky, nerdy kid in high school who did audio engineering and like metal sculpture and music. (laughs) (laughs) So so I kind of geek out on the science stuff now. So I have no idea. (laughs) That's good, mate. I love it. And I can tell by everything you've mentioned today that uh, you are dominating in your field and your area. And um, I hope people that are listening, please go and check out uh, Ben's new book, um, The You Are Unstoppable, and also your online course. And Ben, for me, mate, thank you so much for your time today, buddy. I know how busy you are and I really appreciate all the advice and guidance you've provided to my listeners and and also the, the great content. So thank you very much, mate. Keep dominating. It's awesome. Thanks so much, Dale.